welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 203 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Yes, you heard that right. The Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast has officially changed names over to Thriving as a Physician, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. I made the change because I think Thriving as a Physician really represents what I really want to help you with. I absolutely want to help you with your weight. I want to help you have peace around food where you're not always obsessing with it. But I also, at the same time, want to help you thrive in your life. I think we all deserve to thrive. Okay, this week, what I'm talking about is your questions. I'm answering your questions. If you've been following along, I had meant to do the 200th episode as a Q&A session where I answered common questions, but then I got a little inspired and decided to be a bit spontaneous and changed my mind right at the time of recording. And I recorded the 200th episode as a letter to my past self, what I wish I knew back when I was struggling with my weight, beating myself up about the French fries, wishing I could figure out how to stop eating and just stick to my plans. And so that episode is a love letter to you, to any of you who are listening, who are feeling really frustrated by your weight, by your eating, feeling defeated, all of those things, listen to that episode, please. That's episode 200. Now today, we're going to do the questions and answers that I had promised you guys. And there's some really good questions. I'm just going to jump right into it and do them rapid fire because I've got quite a few here for you. And before I get going, I just want to remind you, I have opened up a free Facebook group for physicians. It's called the Thriving as a Physician Community, which is a place, if you love the podcast, for you to come and be able to interact more with me, get more support, create a safe and supportive community around you as you work on your weight and your eating, all with the focus of everything that I teach you in the podcast, meaning thriving, having a very like life-affirming approach to your weight loss, honoring yourself as an individual in your weight loss, because that's when it's going to last. So come on over there and join me. It's Thriving as a Physician. If you search under the Facebook groups or the link is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Thriving as a Physician. I can't wait to welcome you in. Let's get going on some questions, guys. Okay, number one, I know I want to lose weight, but I just can't get started. Okay, there's a couple things that get in our way of getting started. A lot of it has to do with how we've been trained to lose weight. We've been trained to lose weight in a way that's when we're starting, we're viewing it as it's going to be hard. We often have this sense that I'm not going to get to do anything or eat anything that I like anymore. 
We have this sense that we're going to have to struggle. And all of these things get in your way of actually starting. How many things do you like to start in your life when you're thinking about them? That's going to be really hard. It's kind of going to suck and it's not going to be any fun, right? How easy is it for you to get yourself to do it? And then when you add in the piece about weight loss where you're like, and then I'm going to have to do it that way for the rest of my life. Of course you don't start. Of course. The problem isn't anything with you about not starting. The problem is changing the conversation with yourself about what weight loss should look like changing what you view it will be to get started. I often think when we're starting or we're trying to get back on track, we view it like there's this huge mountain we have to climb in order to get on track. And a lot of that mountain is created by our own thoughts and our own interpretations and our perfectionist tendencies. So getting yourself back on track means, and getting yourself started means identifying your mountain, identifying what's creating the mountain and really getting rid of it as much as possible trying to create the path of least resistance where maybe there's not even any hill to step over. Maybe there could be a bit of a downhill slope on getting started. And what would that look like? Well, it's not going to be perfect, right? If you're thinking everything in your life needs to change, that's a mountain for you to climb to get started. Creating a downhill slope means maybe a small one or two things change. For me, when I want to get started on changing something that I'm doing with my eating, creating a downhill slope means getting my head on straight first, meaning doing some journaling and really getting my mind focused on why I'm doing it and how I'm going to think to create that ease. Another thing that gets in your way of starting is confusion. Often we're bombarded by thoughts about and information about weight loss. We hear different people's success stories and it can be confusing to know where to start. And if you're confused or if you're feeling overwhelmed, that's going to get in your way of starting. So there is no perfect diet. The perfect diet is the one that you think you can actually do long-term for the rest of your life, enjoy it, and that it will work for your body and your life. And you may not know that right when you start, but you can make your best guess. You've got a lot of experience of what it's been like to lose weight, so just make your best guess. Decide one or two changes you're going to make. Start there. And then just keep working towards where you think it's going to work for you. Keeping your mind focused is really helpful. So staying, listening to this podcast and also coming to the Facebook group that I mentioned, having that support to help stay focused is also really helpful. Number two, how do I stop craving sugar? This is a really common question too. Now, sugar cravings are interesting because sugar does have a biochemical effect on our brain, right? Sugar creates dopamine. It can create craving. For some people, you may identify with being addicted to sugar. And so how do you stop craving it? This is kind of a complicated answer in that number one, Sugar is probably a substance that if you want to stop craving it, you should minimize it in your diet as much as possible. If you're eating sugar, you will keep craving it because it creates its own cravings. So minimizing it, trimming it out. For some people, abstinence, like just ripping the bandaid off and being like, I'm just not eating sugar anymore because I don't like what it does to my brain. Now, notice how I talk about that, right? You can tell yourself, I can't eat sugar anymore. I'm not allowed to eat sugar anymore. That's not going to go well when those cravings predictably come up. It's how you talk to yourself. I don't eat sugar because I don't like what it does to my brain. I don't like always having these cravings. 
choose a thought that empowers you as to why you're making that decision. Now, the other thing about the sugar cravings is looking at what's actually driving the sugar cravings. Some of it is just the impact of the sugar on your brain, but some of it also is your brain views sugar as a solution to other discomforts in your life. So really working globally on your stress, how you think as you go through your day, how you think around certain foods, all of that can help lessen sugar cravings. It's a big topic, but it's really what I do inside Thrive Academy for Physicians when in coaching is we work on whatever craving it is, sugar or something else, from so many different angles so that it's easy to help bring those cravings down. Number three for questions. I can only seem to stick to an eating plan for a few weeks. This is super common, right? Where you're like, okay, yeah, I can do it at the beginning. I feel great. I feel inspired. And then a few weeks in, I just forget about it or I just tell myself, screw it. I don't care. So many different versions of this. What I would say to this is probably the eating plan isn't the right eating plan for you. I don't think there's anything going wrong with you here. I think what it is, is it's our approach that we've been taught. So if when you start an eating plan, you're hanging in for dear life with it, you're exerting a ton of energy to follow it and to have things ready for yourself, that's not going to be sustainable. In a few weeks, you will end up with a busy week or a week where you just don't have the same energy and you're not going to be able to keep exerting that. Start with an eating plan that you think will actually work for you. That when you think, could I keep doing this months from now? Your answer is yes. You don't have to start with the perfect eating plan. In fact, sometimes it's better to start with an imperfect eating plan. Well, they're all imperfect, to be honest. But then work on refining it as you go and just build the path of actually following it and building that consistency and making it easy on yourself by designing an eating plan that you actually like, right? That you want to eat the food, that you don't feel restricted, you don't feel deprived by. And then another piece of this is if you find in a few weeks you eat food that you hadn't planned on, it's no big deal. That happens. That's part of a long-term weight loss journey. What makes the difference is what you do after you eat that food. Do you decide that you've blown it and you just go back to your old habits? Well, then that's really going to get in the way of reaching your goals. Or do you go, okay, obviously there was some sort of food trigger or some sort of obstacle I encountered that I need to learn around and I need to problem solve around. And so I'm going to start working on that and then get myself back on track with what I was doing before. Mistakes aren't the end of the world when it comes to weight loss, guys. They're part of the process. And I actually teach a step-by-step process of weight loss that includes making mistakes and learning from them because that's how it works. Any perfectionist viewpoint we have where we think if we're being good in our weight loss, we just don't eat any of that stuff, it's probably not realistic. At some point in your life, you're going to eat it and you need the skill of just managing it, learning from it and getting yourself back on what was working. Question number four, in the moment, I just don't seem to care what gives. I think there can be lots of different things leading to this. Often the time of the day where that's happening is probably later in the day is my guess. The, I just don't care. I'll figure it out tomorrow type thinking. And probably most of that, I just don't care is a reaction to stress. Because if you really could sit down with 
a clear mind and ask yourself, do I care about this? Do I care about how I feel in my body? Do I care about the goals I've been working on? You would probably say yes. In the moment, what you're saying when you just don't care is I don't have the energy to care. Or sometimes it's, I don't really believe I can do this. And so it's easier to just not care. What I would encourage you to do if you keep finding yourself in this situation is get really curious about it. Asking yourself, okay, is it true that I really don't care? Or am I telling myself that because of something else? Is telling myself I just don't care playing a different role? What benefits do I get when I tell myself I don't care? And are those short-term benefits or are those long-term benefits? And what need is telling myself I just don't care actually addressing? I suspect for a lot of you, it's going to be addressing feeling burnt out, tired, overwhelmed, totally depleted, because that's how a lot of physicians live our lives every single day. It's why I talk so much about like, we can't just focus on weight loss, we need to focus on our lives. So the answer comes working on your day and working on caring for yourself in that day so that you have the energy to care. And so that your brain isn't needing to use the food to try to fix stress that has accumulated throughout the day. If you find yourself doing this a lot, coaching would be fantastic for you. I highly encourage you to come join me in Thrive Academy for Physicians because this is something that really working on a holistic approach to figure out what's going on and where's the easiest place we can intervene to make it easier to care, to make it easier to have that consistency is really, really powerful. Question number five, is intermittent fasting a good approach? This is a really common question. And I think the answer that I offer is it depends. So for some people, yes, intermittent fasting can be a great tool. The places where I suggest caution is if you have a history of binge eating, if your eating is currently really unstable, I don't think intermittent fasting is a great thing. It buys into the binge restrict cycle and will often destabilize your eating. A way you might know this is if you fast and you feel okay when you're fasting, but then when you start to eat, you feel like you are a little bit more out of control around the food. If that's you, I would pause the fasting for a while. It doesn't mean you can never fast, but it means there's work to be done there to stabilize your eating, change how you're thinking about eating, change how you're thinking about your fasting in order to make it so fasting doesn't destabilize your eating. Another category of people where I don't recommend fasting is if you have a history of an eating disorder like anorexia or bulimia. I think fasting can key into that restrictive thinking fairly easily. And I encourage you, if you are choosing to fast, to really watch your brain about how it's thinking about the fasting. For everybody else, if you're fasting, watch how it feels like everything, if you're going to fast, do it because it feels good. Watch it if your brain is wanting to use fasting to compensate for food you already ate. I think that's a bit of a slippery slope. It's a little bit disordered. Fast because it's easier, because you don't have to plan a meal. Fast because you feel like you have more energy or all those other reasons why people fast. But don't do it as punishment to yourself. Really be honest with yourself if you're using it as a punishment. I don't think that's great. Really watch if you are finding that, yeah, you fast, but then your food choices after fasting are not that great. Again, in that setting, I would maybe pull away from the fasting for a bit and stabilize your eating. If you really struggle with evening eating, often a tool I teach is to eat more earlier in the day. So not fast, 
just to stabilize your appetite hormones a bit so that you can then have a bit of a clearer mind to deal with the stress portions of the evening eating without having a biological drive to eat. So my answer for intermittent fasting is it depends. And like every tool, it's a bit of an experiment. The research is mixed for fasting on whether it's a helpful weight loss tool or not. And I think you need to experiment in your particular body. Does it work? But also experiment in your particular mind in its current state. Is it a helpful tool? Does it feel good? And does it help you feel stable with your eating and help you be consistent to reach your goals? Number six, sometimes I feel so overwhelmed with how much I have to lose I don't know how I will ever do it. This is really common if you have a large amount to lose or if you feel like maybe it's not even a large amount, but the weight's coming off so slowly. The thing to ask is, why are we in a rush? The overwhelmed with how much I have to lose and the speed at which weight is coming off all comes down to this concept that there's a finish line that once you lose weight, you're going to cross this finish line and you're going to be great and you can just relax. And that's not reality. The reality is there is no finish line. Once you lose weight, you are managing your weight, you're maintaining it, which means you're always aware of your eating and old habits often try to kind of slip back in and you need to modify things. So there isn't a rush in the journey. And if you have a lot to lose, that's okay. It's just going to be a longer journey. But you don't get any prizes for finishing it faster. And I think when you think about it that way, it helps reduce the overwhelm a bit. There's no rush. There's no finish line. This is a life journey. Yes, the first part of the journey is going to be focused more on losing. And then the last part of the journey is going to be more on maintaining. But it is a life journey. So the other piece of this is breaking down. If you're spending time thinking, I haven't even started and I have 100 pounds to lose. That's a big number. And then when you see like a point to something come off on the scale, it can feel like it's just a drop in the bucket. But the reality is drops in the bucket fill the bucket eventually, right? 0.1 pounds added up will reach 100 pounds. The problem or where we get in the way is if we get overwhelmed and we're like, that's not enough, that's not fast enough, then we stop doing what was resulting in the 0.1 pound loss. And then we definitely don't reach the goal. So what I would suggest is if you're feeling overwhelmed, break it down into amounts that feel manageable. Maybe that's a pound. Maybe what you focus on is I'm going to focus on my next pound and then I'm going to focus on the next pound and then the next one. Find an amount that feels manageable. Maybe you do five pound chunks and you only have to do 25 pound chunks to hit that hundred pound goal. When your brain wants to focus on the big goal and tell you how far you are from it, bring it back and focus on a manageable chunk and remind it that it's a journey. The growth that happens while losing is the important stuff. The learning that happens when you hit a plateau or if you have a bunch of old habits come back, that is the important stuff. That is what will help you long-term maintain your weight loss. Because none of us want to lose a large amount of weight and then just have it come back, right? This is about losing it and keeping it off. There's so much learning that happens in the journey. And if the journey takes a while, it just means that you have more time to learn the skills that you're going to need to keep it off. Again, if you have a ton of weight that you're wanting to lose and you're feeling overwhelmed, fantastic. 
opportunity to come join the coaching program and get that expert support. Long-term, six months is a fantastic length of time where you can get a lot of support. You can do a lot, even if you have a big weight loss goal in that length of time. Number seven, what do I do for weight loss if I'm menopausal? So hitting menopause changes your hormones. It changes your metabolism. Say it's a little bit of nature's cruel trick that your metabolism goes down. Often you start to lose muscle mass, which then impacts your metabolism too. And it can feel frustrating. Methods that used to help you lose weight before don't seem to work. Everything happens more slowly. So how do you lose weight when you're menopausal? Number one is patience. It is not going to look the same as when you were 30. It does take more patience. It does take more consistency. And you probably are going to have less wiggle room. These are the realities of living life in a menopausal body. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But if we're fighting it and saying there's something wrong with my body because it's menopausal and because now weight loss takes a long time and I have to be that little bit extra careful with what I'm eating that's not going to support long-term weight loss. I think working on acceptance of this is my body now, this is a normal process that is happening and it does create changes in my body and I have to learn how I manage these changes. I think that's a really important approach, having that acceptance of there's nothing going wrong with your body. Your body's normal, but it might take some different skills. It might take some different thought approaches to address weight with these changes that have happened in your body. I do think a lower carb approach works well, menopausal. Just if you are following a lower carb approach, you don't want to go really heavy on the fats. So when you're eating low carb and you're becoming fat adapted, meaning you're using your body fat for fuel, the idea is you eat enough to feel satisfied, but then you leave a gap between what you eat and what your metabolism requirements are and your body can go into your body fat stores and use them for fuel. Now, when you are menopausal, the body energy requirements are lower. So the gap is probably smaller between what you're eating to feel satisfied and what your body needs. If when you're eating low carb, if you're eating a lot of like high fat meals, cheesy, creamy sauces, you may actually fill in that gap easily and not see weight loss. So when you're eating low carb and you're postmenopausal, still eat enough where you feel satisfied, but be a little bit more judicious with fats if you're wanting to lose weight. Because having a lot of high fat stuff, having a lot of nuts, cheese, creaming your coffee may be enough that you don't see the weight loss that you want. Another piece postmenopausal is I think it's really important to make sure you're doing strength training to maintain your lean muscle mass which hopefully will help some with maintaining your metabolism. And also, like we're all physicians, so we know maintaining lean muscle mass is really important for function as we age. And you don't want to wait till you're 80 to start thinking about your lean muscle mass and your function. So starting now and just keeping some form of strength training as a routine you do, like brushing your teeth so that you maintain your function as you age, will also probably help with your weight loss. Now, the strength training doesn't make you lose weight, right? going and lifting weights doesn't make you lose weight. It's more about supporting your metabolism and supporting your function is how I think about it. Okay, question number eight. What do I do if I never have time for weight loss? So this is really common, right? Like so many of us, we don't have extra time in our schedule and it's really hard to find the time to focus on weight loss. So what you do is you change how you're trying to lose weight. The reality of it is, is 
choosing healthy food can be as quick as choosing unhealthy food. The idea that losing weight takes more time than eating food that gains weight or not losing weight, again, is built on that diet culture belief that losing weight has to be hard and we have to put a ton of energy in. I'm a big believer, especially as physicians, that we need to design how we lose weight to our busy weeks. So if you design the way that you're going to eat and manage your weight on your super busy weeks, and it's going to work then, then it's easy for it to work on your quieter weeks. So question where your brain is thinking that takes too much time and ask yourself, okay, how would it look if it didn't? I'm going to give you an example of one thing. I remember years ago, like going through the drive-through was often an excuse because I didn't have time. So it was like, I'd finish my office late. I'd have to get to the emergency room and I'd have like five or 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, I don't have time and I need to eat something. So I'll go through a drive-through. And what was really funny is at some point it dawned on me that those drive-thrus sell salads. <laughs> like my mind was like, it has to be quick. So it's going to have to be the burger and fries. And yet it could have just as easily been the salad. My mind was interpreting in a certain way about what eating healthy would look like. And it would mean more of a sit-down meal. It would mean more time spent. It would mean bringing food from home. And the reality is almost every place that you go to get food, there is a healthier option that you can find. So even if you're in a corner store and you're hungry and say you're eating low carb, well, then you go to the nut section and you buy some nuts. That's what we do. Or often corner stores have pickles now, or our corner stores do where you can get a, like a kosher pickle, which is fantastic. Pickle and nuts, maybe some cheese if they have a cheese stick. There is an easy option everywhere. The problem is we haven't been looking for it because we were told and trained that it should be hard. If you really struggle with time and you want to address your weight loss goals, then look for the lowest time option. Consider that it's possible and start looking around and you'll start to see options that exist that you may not have seen before. Another piece of this is we as physicians are often always overwhelmed and always feel short on time. That does not have to be your reality moving forward. Coaching is a very powerful approach to create more time. It's what has created time in my life where I'm able to accomplish things like recording this podcast while also still doing my clinical work. It's through coaching and managing our minds that you step out of feeling overwhelmed and always short of time. Time does not ultimately show up in your life. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and short on time, unless you actively do something about it, it's not going to change. You will spend your entire career feeling overwhelmed and short on time. So I encourage you, if this is you, to seek out coaching in some form. If you want help with weight, come to my program. Love to have you in it. If it's really just you're just feeling overwhelmed and you want help with that, there's lots of other coaching programs out there too. Number nine, why is it so hard to stick to my plans on the weekend? Super common. The two most difficult times for physicians for eating are evenings and weekends. And the weekends are basically that we run our weeks like we're running a marathon, especially like if you have kids and you're doing activities in the evenings. Everything is packed and so tightly scheduled and it's just a go, 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 go. And so then Friday comes around and it's just this like, like this processing and needing to relax. So a big piece of feeling in control on the weekends 
is creating space to care for yourself during the week. Don't leave your self-care just to the weekend because by then you're going to be exhausted and the only thing that you're going to be able to come up with to help yourself feel better is to eat. Number two is ask what the food is creating in your weekend. So it might be celebration. It might be spontaneity. It might be trying to create fun. There's lots of different things that the overeating is creating. And if you can identify what it's doing, then you can start planning non-food ways of doing that. How else could you celebrate a Friday night if it's not eating and drinking? How else could you create some fun for yourself? How else could you create space or a break for yourself? How else could you reward yourself for a busy week? Food comes up so easily because it's so easily accessible and we've done it for so long. If you want to use other methods, it's just going to take some practice. But so for weekend eating, give yourself more breaks through the week. Be very intentional with it so you're not finishing Friday feeling like you just ran a race. And then really be curious about what is it that the eating on the weekend is helping you with. Maybe it's spontaneity. That's what I talked about last week on the podcast. So listen to that episode. But maybe it's you want to be spontaneous because you feel during the week you don't get a chance to be spontaneous. So think about how you could accomplish that while still also eating healthy and caring for your body. Which comes to number 10. If I'm not eating, what can I do for a reward? Right? That I deserve a reward, I just deserve a break type eating is so, so common. And I think as physicians, absolutely, we deserve a reward. We absolutely deserve breaks. We absolutely deserve to care for ourselves. But after so many years of not doing it, it can feel kind of foreign. It can feel hard to think, what could my reward be? How would I reward myself if I'm not eating? So this ties into the weekend stuff too that I just talked about. This takes practice, but it is a really important skill in long-term weight loss. Because if your brain is so used to coping and rewarding yourself with food, you have to develop new coping strategies in order to stick to your eating plans long-term. Now, if that feels really uncomfortable and you can't even think of anything, just start with guessing. Be like, what if I tried this? And you try that on for a reward. What if I tried this? Write it down so you don't forget to try these new things. Brainstorm a whole big list of what might work for you. Rewards I like for myself is, I actually like to go for a run as a reward, especially on the trails, especially what I've got planned today. It's a Saturday that I'm recording this is I'm going to go on a trail run with no time constraints. I actually wrote it in my planner on my to-do list along with recording these podcast episodes. And I like to do that as an aside. When I'm writing out my to-do list, I like to put stuff for me on my to-do list so I remember that it's as important as anything else that's written there. So the idea of going for a trail run and it being luxurious and I can go explore and at any intersection can be like, oh, where do I want to go now? And not feel like I have to get home. That's a reward for me. I really like that reading my book, taking some time to snuggle in my bed and read a book, taking time to plan, to meditate, to go see a friend. All of these different things can be rewards, but you have to play around and see what it feels like. Eating out is a reward for me too, but what I've learned to do over the years is we still eat quite low carb when we eat out or restaurants are harder to stick low carb, but in general, we make lower carb choices when we eat out so that I can have the reward of eating out without it totally wrecking all the work I've done for eating healthy through the week. So try things on, 
play around with things. Recognize that if you've been using food as your sole source of reward, some of these activities aren't going to feel as rewarding as food at the beginning, and that's okay. Just keep practicing them and trying them out. The more you do non-food activities, they will start to feel more rewarding. You'll start to find the things that you like. And the bonus of using non-food rewards is they actually will last longer. The reward, the benefit, the replenishment that happens from it will far outlast the food. All right. Those were my 10 top questions that I've been getting lately. I hope that you found those answers helpful. That was pretty rapid fire. I thought I would take a lot longer to get through these. If you have any other questions, send me an email at info at weight solutions for physicians. I totally appreciate it. Come join me in that Facebook group, the thriving as a physician Facebook group. When you finish this episode, go over to Facebook, request to join so that we can make an amazing community of physicians who are thriving in their weight loss and thriving in their life. I've got some fun things planned over there, which is going to be in addition to all the things I'm sharing on the podcast. All right. Have a fantastic week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.